Good morning, City Light. I am excited to be here. Uh, whenever we do baptisms on a Sunday, uh, I just get a little more excited than normal. Uh, we didn't get to do one now, but we'll do one in just about an hour from now. And I'm super excited because uh, baptisms are at the center core of the mission of our church. We say the mission of City Light Church is to multiply disciples and churches. And so that means um, disciples are simply people who have given their lives to follow Jesus as their Savior and King, right? And baptism is just one of the first steps of obedience that happens after you get saved. And so if we're doing baptisms, that means people have gotten saved, which means disciples are being made, which means God is doing among us what he called us to do, right? So I just get excited about that. It's a big deal for me. It gives us reason to praise the God that we serve. And so there's uh, that reason to praise him, and we have countless more reasons to praise him this morning, and we want to look at that. And so as we do, let's start down a path like this. Do you ever get retrospective? Do you ever take a look back on your life and ponder what brought me here to this point where I am right now? Do you ever go there? I think it's pretty normal for people to be retrospective once in a while. Uh, Oftentimes, it's at those major milestones in life. Um, I remember uh, high school graduation and college graduation. God, I don't have any clue where I'm going, so how did you get me here this far? It might help to know uh, so I can take the next step, right? Um, When I got married, when each of my kids were born, when I bought my first house, when my uh, grandparents passed away, when I did a career change, change. All those kinds of moments get us looking back. And I think it's true that looking back can be helpful. It can help us move forward. Uh, Just as an example, I used to work in an IT department over in Omaha before Dougie and I started, before we planted this church. And an IT department is just a computer team um, over there. And so I was a project manager, believe it or not, a detail guy. Um, I don't know how God got me in that role, uh, but I got there. And so I would manage these projects, software development projects. And at the end of each project, um, I led a little meeting called a retrospective. And in those meetings, we would ask questions like, what went well and what didn't? Where did we kill it And where did it kill us, right? And asking those kinds of questions gave us a lot to celebrate about what had happened. And it gave us a lot of insight into what else we wanted to have happen moving forward. It it was true for us then that looking back helped us uh, look forward. Have you ever gotten retrospective? Have you found this to be true? Looking back helps us move forward. Well, this morning, um, we're going to see David look back on his life. We're going to wrap up this series in the life of David by looking at 2 Samuel chapter 22. In the Bible, this is called David's Song of Deliverance. Now, the, uh, my uh, daughter, I was talking to her. She said, Daddy, what are you talking about tomorrow? And I said, well, Brynn, I'm talking about David's Song of Deliverance. And she said, what is deliverance? And I said, well, when Amazon delivers you a package, what does that look like? And she said, well, it takes the thing from somewhere and brings it to me. 
And I was like, beautiful. David's song of deliverance is a song about God taking David from the hands of his enemies to God himself. The song of deliverance, right? Uh, The great preacher Charles Spurgeon called this text David's grateful retrospective. Kind of old words, but I loved it, so we're going to steal it. It was his first. We're going to use that today. We're going to look at David's grateful retrospective. We're going to look back with David and see what was he grateful for after he lived a lifetime serving the King of Kings and Lord of Lords. So this is how his song of deliverance begins. 2 Samuel chapter 22, verse 1. And David spoke to the Lord... The words of this song on the day when the Lord delivered him from the hand of all his enemies and from the hand of Saul. Notice two things as we start this morning. David addressed this song to the Lord. He spoke these words to the Lord. He sang this song to the Lord. It's not a random song. It's directed somewhere to someone And then notice, he sang it after God had delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. It means David now, when he's penning these words, is an old man who's looking back on a lifetime where he had experienced a whole lot of enemies coming after him. And after all had been done, he praises the Lord. Here's some of the enemies that he faced. Right? He faced lions and bears in the pastures. He faced giants on the battlefield. He ran from the hand of the king, King Saul, who sought to kill him. Um, once he had taken the throne and become the king that God intended him to be, the Philistines attacked him from the outside and the Israelites attacked him from the inside. In the last couple weeks, we've seen David under the attack of the sin in his own heart that led him to adultery and murder, right? Uh, If that wasn't enough, there's a whole lot that happened between David's encounter with Bathsheba and his song of deliverance now that we don't get to cover in this series. Twice, there were people who came after his throne. One was at the hand of his own son, Absalom. And then the Philistines sent four more Goliath-sized giant warriors after David to defeat he and his kingdom. From David's life as a young man to David's life as an old man, he he was constantly under threat. Uh, Under threat of enemies, under threat of sin, under threat of losing his sheep or his throne or his life. David was constantly under threat. Yet, here in 2 Samuel chapter 22, David is alive and well and old because God delivered him from the hand of all his enemies. And so when this old man sits back and looks on his life, how he got to where he was, he pens a song. And this song would become Psalm 18 that would be used to lead God's people in worship for centuries. And so this means David, looking back on what God has done, has actually helped move the people of God forward in praise and worship ever since. 
And that's what I wanted to do for us today. We're going to look at this text and see um, a few reasons why David praised the Lord. This is where we're going to go. I got three points today. Uh, God, why David sang praise to God. One, God is my rock who keeps me safe. God is my storm who rescues me from the storm. And God is the blameless one who makes me blameless. Three reasons David worshiped God. There's a lot more in this text, but we're going to look at those three today. Let's start with number one, the Lord is my rock. Okay, David was a warrior poet, right? David would spend one day out battling Israel's enemies, and then the next he would sit down and write a song. In the morning, David would flex and fill out his tea like Chuck did last week. I don't know if you guys noticed this. We got a picture. Look at that. Hey, it's going to help zoom in a little bit for me, Cademan. Look at that. Chuck is like flexing. He's got some muscle there filling out his tea. David could flex in the morning, and then in the evening, he's going to sit down and write a poem. Right? He's going to write some lyrics and lay down something on his lyre sweeter than what Jack does when he makes these subs sing while we worship. Right? David is a warrior and a poet. And when we read the words of this psalm, of this song, um, we see he starts off with, The Lord is my rock. And I think, you know, David, you probably could have done better than that. The Lord is my rock. Like, have you ever had a pet rock? Sure, the food costs are pretty low, but it doesn't do much for you because it's a rock, right? David, if you, if you put some thought into this, we could have had more reason to worship God than he is just a rock, right? If the song ends there, it's a little lame, but thankfully, David does not end there. He elaborates on what he means when he says, God is a rock, the Lord is my rock. This is what David says. This is 2 Samuel 22, verse 2. He said, the Lord is my rock and my fortress and my deliverer. My God, my rock in whom I take refuge, my shield and the horn of my salvation, my stronghold and my refuge, my Savior, you save me from violence. I call upon the Lord who is worthy to be praised, and I am saved from my enemies. David is, uh, God is David's rock and fortress and shield and horn and stronghold and refuge. God is nothing like a pet rock to David. David stood on God the rock and had a firm foundation when the world around him was shaking. David took shelter in God the rock like a soldier takes shelter in a fortress under attack. And a good fortress keeps the people inside it safe from the people outside it. That's what God did for David. He kept him safe. He was a fortress. God the rock is a protector. And God the rock was David's shield. When the enemy's arrows were flying all around him, at him, God the rock shielded David and preserved his life. God was a protector and a preserver for David, his king. David said, when I called on the Lord, he saved me. Listen, 
God is no lifeless uh, rock, unable to see or hear or move like a pet rock. No, no, God is different than that. God is the living, seeing, hearing, acting, strong, savior rock of his people. God is my rock. Can you see David looking back on his life as he pens this? Can you see David looking back and remembering standing on the battlefield, having picked up the five smooth rocks, one of which would slay the giant? Can you see David on the run from the hand of King Saul, ready to kill him in his innocence? And he hid in the rocks of the caves of Israel, and they protected him from the hand of Saul. Can you imagine David looking back on the time when there was a plague wiping out his people, remembering it was the rocks of the altar that held up the sacrifice that David offered on their behalf. David looked back on his life and he saw no pet rock. He saw God being a rock, a preserver and a protector. And he penned the lyrics and sang to God, the Lord is my rock who is worthy to be praised. Oh, City Light, there's good news today. The God who was David's rock is still a rock. And so I want to ask you this morning, is God your rock? Is God your rock? David didn't praise the Lord for being a rock or being the rock. He praised the Lord for being my rock. He's not praising God for something he had never known or experienced or only understood in theory. He's praising God for things that he knew that God had proved to him time and time again over and over in his life. Is God your rock? Have you ever felt like the world is against you? Have you ever longed for a refuge or a shield, a place to hide And find rest and protection from the battles raging outside. In those moments, God is not far off leaving you on your own. God was and is and will always be the savior rock of all the people who call out to him. Listen, I want to be clear. The battles around David didn't end because he followed God the rock. The battles didn't end, but God protected and preserved David through every single battle he faced. If you look back on your life, have you experienced God the rock? Uh, Was God with you when you or your child or somebody that you loved faced sickness, death? Did you find God to be solid ground to stand on in the uncertainty of unemployment? Did you uh, find God to be a place to hide when the marriage that once was a refuge for you began to come crumbling down? Looking back helped David move forward. Looking back, remembering that God had protected and preserved him from all the battles that he had ever faced, helped him move forward, praising God, knowing that who he was is who he always will be. 
Knowing who God is led him to praise and city light. If you have experienced God as the rock, that's what this should do in us. We ought to give him praise for who he was and who he is. And if you've never experienced God as your rock, this passage says call out to him. He is faithful to hear when we call. And he is worthy of all our praise. City Light, God is our rock. Are you tracking with me? So David praised God because he'd been a rock. But that's not the only reason David praised God. He also said that God is a storm. Now I get excited about this because when words get flowery and start painting pictures, uh, I kind of like that. I wish I could do that more. I'm not good with a paintbrush, but I can talk a lot. And so I love when David starts using words and painting pictures, right? And so this is a lesser known uh, comparison for God. We've all heard God the rock, but how many of you have considered God to be the storm? This is what David wrote. He paints this image. He said, the waves of death and the torrents of destruction assailed him, slammed against him. He's, this image is, he's in a sea and everything is battering him. The waves of death and the torrents of destruction. Imagine 15 years on the run at the hand of King Saul and his bloodthirst. And you're running, and at every turn, Saul is there. And every time it seems like things might get a little better, it just gets worse all over again. Right? Saul, a couple times, uh, he confesses, David, I shouldn't be trying to kill you. You're innocent. I'm going to stop. And then right on the heels of that, Saul starts pursuing him again to kill him again. He can't get away from it. The waves keep splashing against him. After Saul died, David took the, the throne, he became king, and you, you think for a minute that maybe the threat of death is gone. But it, that doesn't last long, because as soon as he takes the throne, there's civil war from the inside, and once that ends, there's international war from the outside. David says in this song that sometimes he feels so overwhelmed by the threat of death, it's as though the cords of the grave have reached up, entangled him, wrapped him up, and started pulling him down. There were storms in David's life. Death lurked at every corner. But in those moments, as the storms raged around him, David remembered his rock. David called out and God heard him. Then David describes what God did after he called out. This is God the storm. Listen to the words of David. Then the earth reeled and rocked. He bowed the heavens and came down. Thick darkness was under his feet. He was seen on the wings of the wind. He made darkness around him his canopy. Thick clouds, a gathering of water. Out of the brightness before him, coals of fire flamed forth. The Lord thundered from heaven, and the Most High uttered his voice. And he sent out arrows and scattered them, lightning and routed them. Then the channels of the sea were seen. The foundations of the world were laid bare at the rebuke of the Lord, at the blast of the breath of his nostrils. I don't know about you, that's intense. 
And I kind of get excited. Listen, if God was the rock that protected David like a fortress, God the storm is the opposite for his enemies. God the rock gave David a secure place to stand. God the storm literally shook the earth under the feet of David's enemies. God the rock shielded David from the enemy's arrows that were flying all around him. God the storm sent arrows to scatter those same enemies. Listen, God the rock hid David from his pursuers. God the storm gave those same pursuers no place to hide. Did you catch that? God, it says he stood over the darkness. Yesterday, I flew out of Chicago, and when I was in Chicago, it was raining, and the clouds were gray, and everything was dark. And I got in a plane, and as the plane took off, we flew through those clouds, and as we peeked out above them, the sun shone, and it was bright. Listen, that's a, that's a scene only God should get to see, and he's given some of us the grace to get to see it. And when we read David's words here, he saw something that God saw, that he stood above the storm. Those dark clouds were under his feet, and from his breath, lightning and coals of fire and brightness flashed into the darkness so that nothing could be hidden anymore. He said that when God the storm started raging, even the depths and foundations of earth and sea were laid bare. There is no place to hide when God the storm is, is raging, right? If God the rock protected and preserved David, God the storm fought on his behalf. David reflected on his life and he clearly saw a world that stormed around him. David was a shepherd, not a warrior. Goliath should have killed him. David uh, had a few hundred misfit friends that banded together to escape King Saul. Saul had an army, thousands of men strong. They should have wiped David's crew out. David found himself living in enemy lands. He should have been imprisoned or killed, not enlisted in the service of an enemy king. Time and again, David saw there was no way he could have overcome the odds stacked against him. He was too small. He was just one man. The power of the storm was too strong. Yet, here he is at the end of his life, alive and well and old. How? Because the storm for him was greater than the storms against him. Because the storm for him was greater than the storms against him. Are you with me? So you're like, are you in the middle of a storm? Have you experienced that? Are you bombing classes? Maybe your house feels like a battleground because try as you might, your kids just won't obey and you can't control your anger when they don't. Maybe there is a person who is making life miserable for you. Maybe there is a habit that is killing you and you just can't stop. Maybe there is a temptation that is drawing you deeper and deeper and deeper and you're afraid how far it might take you. I don't know what it looks like, but is life storming around you? If it is, hear what David said. 
2 Samuel 22, verse 7. In my distress, I called upon the Lord. To my God, I called. Here it is. From his temple, he heard my voice. Through the power of the storm, David called out. God heard, and he stormed. God stands above the storm, not below it. He lights up the darkness. He doesn't feel his way through it. He scatters those who stand against him and his people. Where do you look for rescue when the storms of life rage around you? David called upon the Lord. We should call upon the Lord. He hears. He responds. He rescues. He heard David, and I'm here to say he will hear you too. David praised God who was his rock. David praised God who was his storm. And I'll look at one more, all right? One more um, reason that David praised God. Look at the song with me one more time. We'll read verses 22 through 24. David wrote, For I have kept the ways of the Lord and have not wickedly departed from my God. For all his rules were before me, and from his statutes I did not turn aside. Catch this. I was blameless before him, and I kept myself from guilt. David said he was blameless. I don't know about you. I've been reading through First and Second Samuel while I've been doing this series. I sat in the same chairs that you're sitting in the last two weeks, and I heard a different story than that. It doesn't seem to me like David was blameless, does it? But he lusted after a married woman, committed adultery with her. She got pregnant. Then he calls out to his best buddy, who happened to be her husband, uh, brings him home, lies to him to try to manipulate him. When that doesn't work, he gets him drunk. When that doesn't work, he ends up ordering his murder. How could a guy with that kind of baggage, that kind of history, that kind of past, how could a guy like that write a song to the God of gods who sees all and knows all and say, I was blameless. Is David lying? Maybe this is out of order and this song was written before all that happened? If your mind tries to go there to explain away David's words, hit pause for a moment. All right, let's keep reading and see how David explains himself. He writes this, this God His way is perfect. The word of the Lord proves true. He is a shield for all those who take refuge in him. For who is God but the Lord, and who is a rock except our God? This God is my strong refuge, and here it is, and has made my way blameless. David said God's ways are perfect, He is the blameless one. It's his words that prove true, not David's. He is not perfect. God is the blameless one, not David. So why did David claim I was blameless? Because God made him that way. Because God, the blameless one, made him blameless. That's reason to sing, isn't it? 
A, a blameless God who makes blame people who ought to be blamed blameless? This old man, he looked back on his days and he knew he hadn't batted a thousand. He knew his life was a hot mess most of the time. And yet he turned to God, his rock, God, his storm, God, the blameless one, and he knew what he would get, love and forgiveness. God is the blameless one who makes us blameless. David doesn't just say it here, he said it elsewhere. Let me read you a couple other lines that David wrote. Psalm 86, verse 5 says, For you, O Lord, are good and forgiving, abounding in steadfast love to all who call upon you. Good, forgiving, loving to all who call upon you. This is the Old Testament. This is where law is supposed to reign. And yet David experienced something different from his God. That's not the only one. Let me give you one more. Psalm 103. David wrote, Bless the Lord, O my soul, and forget not all of his benefits, who forgives all your iniquity. All of it. Listen, David praised God because God forgives sin. He makes sick souls well. He makes hard hearts soft. He makes dirty consciences clean. He calls the guilty forgiven and the sinners blameless. The blameless one makes us blameless. What is your dirtiest secret? What is your greatest sin, the one that calls you back over and over again? What thing or things have you done that you wish you never would have done? When did sin take you further than you wanted to go, keep you longer than you wanted to stay, and cost you more than you wanted to pay? There's good news today. God forgives all of us. Anybody who would call on the Lord and follow him, God is blameless and he makes his people blameless. Do you believe that? Listen, we want to end here today like this. We said all along through this series that David's life gets its full meaning, its greatest meaning when it points us to Jesus. And so one last time, I want David's story to get a point us to Jesus. Are you ready? David said, God is my rock. Now we get to see that Jesus is God the rock. This is what Jesus said. Everyone then who hears these words of mine and does them will be like a wise man who built his house on the rock. Jesus is God the rock. He says, build your life on me, listen to my words, and obey me, and you will stand on a rock that cannot be shaken. Jesus is God the rock. David said Jesus, or God is his storm. But now we see that it's Jesus who stands over the storm, who rescues from the storm. In the Gospels, we see that there was once Jesus and his disciples out on a boat at sea, and a storm came up, and it was battering the ship so hard that the boat was breaking up and falling apart. The disciples are freaking out. Jesus is sleeping below deck. They run down, cry out to him, and this is what Jesus says. And Jesus awoke and rebuked the wind and said to the sea, Peace, be still. And the wind ceased, and there was a great calm. What Jesus' voice says, the storms of this world must do. 
Jesus calmed the storm at sea, the storm in the clouds, to prove he has the power to calm the storms raging in our souls. David said, God is my storm who rescues me from the storm. Now we see that Jesus rescues us from the storm. David said, God is the blameless one who makes me blameless. Listen to the words of John chapter 1. The next day, John the Baptist saw Jesus coming toward him and said, Behold, the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. He takes them away. Jesus takes away the sins of the world. He doesn't keep a tab of all of our sins. He doesn't smell the stench of our sin and try to cover it up with cologne or perfume. He doesn't try to package up our sin to make it easier for us to carry. He doesn't take most of our sin and leave the rest for us to deal with. The Bible says that Jesus, the sinless one, takes away the sin of the world. All of it. For all who would call upon his name. He takes it all so that there is none left in you. Jesus is the blameless one who makes us blameless. And that's why we celebrate baptisms, right? There are going to be some people who found that out and gave their life to him and said, I have a storm raging around me and I need somebody to rescue me. I need a solid rock on which to stand. I need somebody to fight for me, the battles that I can't fight, I need a blameless one to come make me blameless. And so they're going to get baptized into the name of Jesus Christ. So you're like, is your sin heavy enough to crush God the rock? Is your sin strong enough to battle against God the storm? Is your sin dirty enough to stick against the power of the blameless one who makes us blameless? The answer to every question is no. Jesus is God the rock. Jesus is God the storm who rescues from the storm. And Jesus is the blameless one who is still making sinners blameless today. And that is reason to sing.